Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today we have a very special episode. We were asked by Dr. Nathan Olson to co-host a KKMS radio show. It's Lee Michaels' Drive Home Show. I pray that you would sit back and enjoy these episodes. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio whistle. Entertaining. This is going to be good. Engaging. You're traveling to another dimension. Encouraging. Lord works in mysterious ways. Yep. Pursuing the truth and helping you live out a life in Christ. It's Lee Michaels Live. It's showtime. On AM 980, The Mission. Good afternoon. I am Dr. Nathan Olson, host of the 8.30 Sunday morning broadcast, God's Word for Today, the radio ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. Joining me today are the hosts from the Being Lutheran podcast from beinglutheran.com, pastors Brian Rickey, Jason Goodham, and Brett Bowe. Good to have you guys with us today. Hey, thanks for having us, Nathan. Yes, thank you. Our hope for today is that uh, we can talk a little bit of theology and uh, hopefully hear a little bit about uh, what you guys are doing with the podcast. Uh, Jason, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about why being Lutheran. Uh, For our listeners today, if they're not Lutheran, are they able to get something out of this? (laughs) Well, we would hope so. The, The whole impetus for the show, Why We Exist, comes from... Uh, Sunday school at my church at Faith Lutheran in South Minneapolis. Uh, shortly after I started there, about seven years ago, my congregation was coming to me uh, independently of one another and asking, why are we Lutheran? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was kind of a weird sort of thing, but I realized, uh, looking back now, 2020, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020, but I, I, I realized looking back that what was going on is for the first time in the upper Midwest, it was not popular to be a Lutheran. Uh, there, there were things going on in, in certain Lutheran denominations, uh, you know, questionable decisions being made. I'll leave it at that. But, you know, what was happening is that the members of my congregation were going out to their jobs and their communities and, and their coworkers, their neighbors, their family would say, oh, you go to a Lutheran church. Or is this what you're all about? And they didn't really have a foundation for saying, well, no, this is what we're all about. And so as I was asked by my church uh, to teach that, I decided to just go back in time and let the very first Lutherans answer for themselves what it meant to be a Lutheran. And so, mm-hmm. uh, what I ended up doing is we've had a six-year curriculum so far looking at the very first Lutheran documents from the Reformation period. We started with the small and large catechism from Martin Luther. We went um, in that Sunday school class, we just finished up the Apolo- or the Augsburg Confession and the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, which uh, really is kind of the definitive Lutheran statement of, of who we are. And we're moving on from there. And uh, what ended up happening from that class is that I had pastor friends and, and others saying, can we have access to this material? And trying without doing an, an entirely, you know, a, a publishing venture uh, on the curriculum, trying to find a way to make the material transferable. And finally, the idea of a podcast came up, and then Brett and Brian agreed to join me. Mm-hmm. And we I don't were, know about being like, agreeing. <laughs> yeah, to right. Hey, yeah. If I recall, you jumped all over the chance to, to produce this, all Radio I, Man. Well, that, yeah, recording it fine, but <laughs> sure. like actually having a mic, it what, took 20 episodes. I was going to yeah. say the first maybe, was it about 20 episodes? 20, yeah. yeah. Yep. Brian was a silent partner, and then mm-hmm. we got him on there. But we will, in October, at the end of October, right around Reformation time, we will be celebrating two years of episodes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll probably be about 105 or so episodes in at that right. point in time. We And people joke that it's going to take us 20 years to get yep. through. 
all of our content. Well, and, and that's the whole format of the show yeah. is we, we agreed that what we wanted is somewhere between a short form and long form. We're not, you know, one of those five minute bursts, but I, uh, mm-hmm. I realize as a podcast consumer that I don't have the attention span always to, to devote to a one hour or 90 minute podcast all the time. And we settled kind of on 22 minutes mm-hmm. as our, our threshold. And what ends up being is basically a commute for most people going into work. And so you can get an entire episode uh, mm. going into work, but it also lets us treat the material in much more detail without getting overly exhaustive mm-hmm. because you're getting it in short bursts, but we're spreading it out over a longer length of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the other part that was really cool is, you know, as we're part of the AFLC denomination, it's not a very well-known mm-hmm. denomination, I think, among a lot of people. And so I know one of the questions that I get, just even as a as a Christian who belongs to a Lutheran denomination, is what kind of Lutheran? And I think mm-hmm. that's a real great part of this podcast is it really explains that part of it. And it's like, yeah, you know, this is this is who we are. This is what we believe. This is what we believe, teach, and confess, and, and it's a good thing. So, What kind of material have you guys been able to cover so far? Uh, on the podcast, we are right in the middle of uploading episodes on the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. So we finished the Ten Commandments, and we finished the Creed, the Apostles' Creed. And, and the format for most of the episodes is we take two episodes to discuss the material from the documents themselves as a kind of I wrote the lessons for my Sunday school class, mm-hmm. and, and Brett, Brian, and I read off those lesson plans, but we just kind of go where the conversation takes us. Mm-hmm. And then what we want to do, and, and especially considering the the scope of modern American Christianity uh, where the American church has by and large been rejecting anything confessional or creedal in nature, uh, we want to demonstrate that mate- the material from our heritage is taken directly from the scriptures, that mm-hmm. this isn't right. replacing the scriptures or standing over it, but it's just kind of summarized and flowing from the scriptures. And so we will do two episodes, uh, we'll dedicate two episodes on every topic to picking something from the Old Testament and New Testament that demonstrates that this is biblical material. Mm-hmm. Right. What would you guys say when you think about being Lutheran? Is there anything that's innate to a Lutheran understanding or a Lutheran uh, conception of looking at the scriptures in a certain way? How yes. You, <laughs> what does that look uh, like? Well, from from what I've been teaching and, and what I teach at my congregation, really the the whole point of being Lutheran is that the entire Christian life is distilled down to two topics, mm-hmm. assurance of salvation and vocation. And that's you can do our buzzword, Brian, if yeah, you want. Right. Vocation. 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 Yeah, that's it. We're talking about that constantly on the podcast. But the whole Lutheran emphasis is on the cross of Christ, and it's meaning yeah. uh, from Scripture for the Christian life. And the cross of Christ is what gives us assurance of salvation and what right. comforts us that we stand before God always as forgiven Christians, as forgiven children of God. And it's that forgiveness, that assurance that allows us to live in the world around us to love our neighbors because we're not in competition with them to try to impress God with our piety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so vocation, you know, it's not about our job. It's about our wonderful privilege Mm -hmm. that we have to serve Christ Jesus in all that we do. It's uh, being a living sacrifice. It's loving our neighbor as ourself as an act of worship to a holy God. And so it's all of that. So it's not, when we hear the word vocation, sometimes we just think, about, oh, my career? No, it's really about all of who you are all the in Christ. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is your act of worship and responding and applying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, you know, growing up in the Lutheran church, I know maybe I can speak for a lot of Lutherans and say, we're a Lutheran, but we maybe don't understand what that means or what significance that had. 
And I guess for me, it wasn't until going through our two-year Bible school in Plymouth, Aphelbus, and then in seminary, really, that I understood more clearly what Lutheran being a Lutheran is all about. And that's really where it really clicked in my heart, uh, especially thinking about uh, the, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was really what won me over, I think, uh, fully to say, yes, I love being a Lutheran. I think sometimes Lutherans are a little bit embarrassed about being Lutheran and want to maybe downplay that and say, you know, I'm just a Christian. Uh, but I think there's something to be said for having firm convictions. Um, and and so for us, I think we all are kind of sold on this idea of being a Lutheran, and we want to present it as a positive, good thing that it's refreshing uh, to our soul, as Jason was talking about, and relieving our consciences. Yeah, it's, you know, for whatever reason right now, in, in society today, that if you're firmly committed to something or if you passionately believe something, it comes off as arrogance. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of the Christian faith is that if you believe something, it should matter in your life. It should impact your life. And so, you know, kind of what Brent hinted at, we, we are trying to do a podcast that explains Lutheran theology, not for all of the things that we're against or that we <laughs> disagree with, but, but, you know, we're trying to stand for something. This is what we believe, and this is where it's at in Scripture, and this is why Here it I matters. Stand, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the, the phrase that Luther might not have actually yeah, right. even said, but we'll take it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So when we think about uh, categorization of the Reformation time period, you know, I think maybe some of our listeners would be familiar with the the five solas of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where do you see that coming into the the life and breath of the the Christian believer today? Mm-hmm. I think it's an excellent way to summarize a set of theology, and and what makes it so interesting is that you can talk about the five solas of the Reformation, and, and you get entirely different perspectives on the different Protestant, Protestant denominations that exist today. Uh, you know, a Calvinist will be able to talk about the five solas in a completely different way than the Lutheran mm-hmm. uh, will talk about the five solas, but it's a good way uh, to to get us talking about the same general topic. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it's when you talk about something of the Reformation, something is widespread that it, it's not just a theological topic, it's not even just a, a churchly topic, but the Reformation had implications for society, Western civilization yeah. across Europe and America. After that, you I mean people talk about the Protestant work ethic and and uh, you know. Uh, uh, I would say that the modern conception of human rights has been impacted by the ideas of the Reformation mm-hmm. and, and bringing value and dignity to all human life and things like that. Uh, and so the five solas is an excellent place yeah. to start. I know, especially this past year, it was the 500th anniversary of that. And I think it was refreshing in, I don't know, I bet in all of our congregations to think about that again and refresh ourselves on some of those those details. And yeah, I think it's a great... Uh, great uh, 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 framework there. We're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to be jumping in with pastors Brian Ricky, Brett Bow, and Jason Goodham from the Being Lutheran podcast from beinglutheran.com and jumping in and looking at each of those different aspects uh, of the solos of the Reformation. Stick around and join us in just a bit. Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Nathan Olson, host of the 830 Sunday morning broadcast, God's Word for Today, radio ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. Filming in today for Lee Michaels on the Lee Michaels Live Show. And joining me today are the hosts from the Being Lutheran podcast from beinglutheran.com, pastors Brian Rickey, Jason Goodham, and Brett Bowe. 
Good to have you guys with us today. We are uh, in a conversation right now about what it means to to be Lutheran and some of the distinctives uh, from the hallmark of the Reformation that we find our identity in. And the first one we're going to be looking at here this afternoon is Word Alone. And uh, Pastor Ricky, take us away on that. Why is this such a cornerstone piece for Lutheranism, and how do you see this playing out in the Lutheran Church today? I would also add that it's not just a cornerstone and paradigm for Lutheranism, but for all of conservative Christianity. Hmm. And so we, we begin with the infallible aspect of God's Word, that it is truly inspired, uh, it is truly breathed out by God. Uh, and when we say the Bible, we would call the 66 books of 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 that of the bible that in which we use the authoritative word of god uh, we don't accept the apocrypha as the infallible word of god but as luther said he said it was profitable to read i mean there's mm-hmm. there's some decent stuff in there to to read we find it profitable but not inspired uh, it is again the primary means or vehicle of grace for salvation. And so the proclamation of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, which is woven through the tapestry of the entire scriptures, is all about Jesus and that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the promised Savior of the world, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Um, all roads lead to Jesus in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Everything is just entrenched with the promise of God, whether it starts from Genesis, the one who would crush the head of the serpent Satan through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, on and on, that promise of the Messiah then realized and fulfilled in the person and mission of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And of course, the great promise of his return, which I look forward to. <laughs> I'm ready for the new glorified body. There was Sounds no more good. pain, no more, no more, no more rejection, no more bigotry, no, no more racism, no more misunderstandings. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, being pastors, come on, we all have to deal with that. So just that big, great promise. And so really, honestly, it's all about God, Jesus, revealing um, the triune God's plan of salvation and his will for our life in in, in among the church, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I know that's kind of a little bit longer statement, but there'll mm-hmm. be a test on it later. There you go. All right. <laughs> Pastor Ricky, so how, did you, how do you see God's word uh, under attack in our culture today? Uh, those who would maybe seek to undermine all of those rich things we have from God's word. I think it begins with not seeing... Uh, the miraculous nature of the preservation of God's word. You know, if you, you look at some of the, the, the um, historical events in the Bible, like Moses, okay, Moses stood in front of a burning bush. Wow, that's really miraculous, and that's like an extraordinary thing. But the fact that we have the Bible in its entirety and in intact the way that it is, is just as miraculous as Moses standing in front of the burning bush. But we don't think about it that way because we're, we have a bunch of books. But if you understand how God, through the Holy Spirit, preserved the canon of Scripture for us, it is just as miraculous as, G, as, as Moses standing in front of that burning bush. And I think when you, when you do that, when you demythologize Scripture, so to speak, and you take um, the wonderful, miraculous aspects of Scripture out of it, that's going to be the natural result. And, you know, a lot of the, the statements that are, are said by some more liberal uh, denominations, they'll say, well, there's truth in God's Word, but that God's Word isn't entirely true. Well, then who determines what that truth is? The thing about the Bible is I think that we have a tendency to push modern Western criteria on an ancient Eastern-inspired book. We have to accept the Bible as it is, 
as God has intended it to be. It doesn't have modern Western literary criteria. It is literally defines itself, uh, and it stands alone as the authoritative word of God. And when you remove that part of it, the natural result of it is like, ah, yeah, it's just a book, another mythology book like Homer's Iliad or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. And when you do that, when you remove the miraculous nature of the preservation of God's holy word, then that's the natural result of it. Yeah, I think that's a big mistake, not just in the world around us, but in the church, mm-hmm. is that we have a tendency, uh, whether we knowingly do it or not, uh, of treating the the words of the Bible, the words of Scripture, just as an information dump, that it contains the knowledge necessary for salvation without seeing that it is the Word of God that is active in us for salvation. And, mm-hmm. you know, all throughout Scripture, God is proclaiming to us that His Word does what it says it does. That's the value of Genesis 1 and 2. It, you know, it's not there to be an apologetic against evolution or, or anything like that. It's that God creates something out of nothing, and he just literally does it by saying something. Mm. And, and it's so hard for us to get that today. God says, let there be light, and boom, there's light. God mm-hmm. says, let there be plants, and there's plants. God says, let there be animals, and there's animals. Uh, but God comes to you and, and, and says, I have done this for you. Mm-hmm. And what we want to say is, no, but what do I need to do for you? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and we're, right. we're unwilling to take God at his word that everything for our salvation is wrapped up in what Jesus has done, is wrapped up in his death and resurrection, mm-hmm. and is wrapped up in the work of the Holy Spirit bringing us to faith instead of something we're mustering up inside of ourselves. Yep, exactly. Right, and, and there's that red thread of scripture all the way through pointing us to Christ. And mm-hmm. I think you were kind of starting to get to that a little bit, Brian, in, in what you were saying earlier. Yep, it's all about Jesus. But, you know, what's great about that whole thing is, you know, you think about what the early church fathers said. You know, a lot of times people ask for a scripture that concisely or at least briefly describes the, the gospel. A lot of people would go to John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But the early church fathers would go to John chapter 1, verse 18. You know, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus is the one who makes the triune God known and and his plan of salvation. And that's really mm-hmm. uh, the reality of that. And that's all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. So uh, Jesus is 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 really the one uh, who reveals that to us. Mm-hmm. And through the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit, that free gift of salvation is made available to any and all who call on the name of Christ for the salvation of their soul. And it's a really astounding realization when you go back and read Scripture through the lens of it pointing us to Christ. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. uh, all of these historical events, all of these poems, all of these prophecies where we want to see ourselves it giving us a word of advice for our lives, really it's pointing us to Jesus. And what so, does this scripture mean to you? Exactly. <laughs> so, so Joseph isn't about me, it's about Christ. Yeah. And the exodus and the wandering in the wilderness isn't about me, it's pointing me to Christ. And, Amen. and David and Goliath isn't talking right. about how I can overcome the giants in my life, it's talking about how the one man won mm. the victory and gave it to the entire... The king that will come from the house and lineage of David, who right. Defeat the greatest yeah, exactly, foe. yeah, and that's part of where that you realize you have a gem in in, some, in being a Lutheran. It, you start to see those types of yeah. of things in Scripture, and it takes the pressure off of yourself uh, so much, and you feel uh, relieved of that burden of of having to live up to something uh, where Christ has done it all. Well, and you don't have to live up to that, and it takes the pressure off of worrying that every single thing that you're going to do in your life is going to thwart God's will for your life, Mm -hmm. because primarily God's will for your life is salvation. 
yeah. and he's accomplished that in Christ. And then God's will for our lives because of salvation is just go out and love our neighbor. Yeah. And then we have the freedom to do that based on who our neighbors are and where they are and what our stations in life. And that brings us back to vocation. Mm-hmm. But we get that freedom from knowing that God has told us everything we need to know about Christ and his word. And he's constantly proclaiming that to us. So we got to explain something. So Brett looks at me every time Jason says the word vocation. Yes. So on our podcast, that's like the key word. And if anyone right. can catch us not saying the word vocation on our podcast, they get like a, a gift or, or right. something like that. To be and determined. so every, most every time when someone says it, I'll just lean into the mic and go, vocation, you know? Right. And there it was. So it is, but it is about applying the gospel. Another thing about the question that you asked, I think... You know, with everybody screaming, well, not everybody, but a lot of people screaming fake news. You know, it's like, well, what can we trust now? Mm-hmm. You know, if I can't trust anything written down, I can't trust the newspaper or the, the website that I tend to read, or I can't trust the news channel. Well, what can I trust? And so you, you have this kind of like throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of mentality where it's like, well, if I can't trust any of that, well, then why in the heck should I ever trust this thing called the Holy Bible? Why should I, I do that? But it is so different than anything that we would have access to from a modern perspective. Again, we cannot push that modern Western criteria on an ancient Eastern book. Let the Bible be what it is and let it speak mm-hmm. of its own truth because it is the truth. And the truth, of course, is Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And what's so amazing about that, though, in, in identifying the supernatural nature of God's word is that you have this God uh, who has given us this word, who has done everything we need for our salvation, and yet he's left a trail of evidence for us to trust him by, to to measure scripture by. If you hold scripture up to, to any standard mm-hmm. given to any other ancient document, it comes up with, you know— ahead by so much oh, yeah. right. in, in the right. amount of evidence we have to look at its accuracy in transmission yeah. and the faithfulness of transmission it has. And, and, and no matter what skeptics like Bart Ehrman or anyone might say, yeah. uh, the, the amount of distortion we have in Scripture from what we believe the original writings to be to what we have today amongst like one-fifth of one percent that we don't know what was originally there. And you can take all of that out and you still have the message of Scripture given to us. And, and mm-hmm. that's amazing is that God has constantly left a trail of evidence so that we might see him in human history, in the manuscripts, in whatever it is, God is saying, I am truth and I am trustworthy. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about mentioning Bart Ehrman, uh, his teacher, his mentor, Bruce Metzger, uh, who is probably one of the most foremost authority on on New Testament and Greek manuscripts, uh, who was asked point blank, is this the word of God? And he's like, absolutely. Uh, he's had several books written about, you know, different translations and the history of translations. And I don't know that there's anyone alive that knows more than this man at this point. There might be, but I don't know who that would be. But here, one of the most foremost authority uh, concerning the Greek manuscripts of the New Testament is saying, absolutely. This is absolutely God's mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. Brett, I'm going to come to you with this one. Why was this such a, a big thing for Luther and for the Reformers? Why was there a concern to emphasize word alone? Yeah, it, and you know, when you think about that, if if you're standing on on something, you want to be standing on something that is is reliable, trustworthy. And so for Luther and the early Reformers, they they saw the word of God as something that was absolutely true and because of that, you can trust in it. You can stand on it. And, you know, like we were joking about saying, "Here I stand." Uh, if if the scripture does, if the scripture teaches it, then we must hold to it and cling to it as true. 
Um, and if it doesn't, then we don't. And so that was um, really a, it's such an important foundational a part of, of Luther and Lutherans and, and early reformers too. Mm-hmm. And in, in what ways do you, do you look back and see how that was being commingled or confused in Luther's day? Yeah, I mean, it, they, you had the words of, of people that were uh, being put up against uh, God's word and saying uh, the word of the popes and the word of of uh, those that would not uh, would cling to Scripture alone. Um, that's that's where the one that one of those solas come in, comes in. Yeah, we'll pick it up here. Thanks for listening. We're going to take a quick break, but come back and catch us for our next segment. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue through these KKMS radio segments. God bless you and have a great week.